everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of That Was a Hoot, and IFNZ presents Rocco's Modern Life Recap Series. Yes. It's the We're end of season, season three. The end of season three. The end of an era. That's right. And then we'll go on to Rocco's Modern Afterlife. The nether era. A, a, a quickie, as a quickie. we like to call it. Heck yeah. All right, we're in season three, episode eleven, segment one, uh, starting off with an elk fur heifer. This came out February tenth, nineteen ninety six, at Full Moon Park. They're having their annual gathering of the pack elders, and they're getting sheepskin seat covers uh, with their last bake uh, with their last bake sale. Alpha, the leader, points out that George and Virginia Woolf's son Heifer is long overdue for his rite of passage, bringing home an elk. After going back and forth, they agree that they'll make sure Heifer goes through the rite of passage. George sits down with Heifer and tells him that he has to bring home this elk to be considered an adult. Heifer calls up Rocco to ask, where could I find an elk? And Rocco suggests the Elks Club. So Heifer then goes down to the Elks Club. And uh, it's guarded by an elk who won't let Heifer in because he's a cow. No, he's a steer. (laughs) The guard picks him up by the suspenders and throws him. He comes back with twigs tied to his horns and says, I'm an elk. He gets right (laughs) in, starts asking around if anyone wants to come over for dinner or watch some TV, uh, which he see when he sees this very beautiful elk. Uh, Her name is Elkie. And she thinks Heifer is cute. Heifer sings the elk of my dreams. And he would eat a thousand ice creams and uh, all kinds of other things. But then he can't think of anything else that rhymes with dreams. He invites uh, invites Elkie out for a soda. And then they uh, go on a gondola ride. They go through mm-hmm. the tunnel of love. They frolic across the street causing an accident, which I thought was very funny. Because it's just like deer run across the street. But they're mm-hmm. on their little date. And then he finally invites her to dinner, and she accepts. It's kind of hard to find a gondola, uh, you know, wherever they're at, I would think, but obviously not. Right. (laughs) Uh, At the Wolf House, Heifer arrives with Elkie, and Georgia, Virginia, Peter, and Cindy are all shocked to see that Heifer has brought the elk as a date instead of dinner, or as instead of dead and as dinner. (laughs) Whichever way, it's the same. Needed to be dead. Yes. George is frustrated that Heifer has gotten so close to the food. Uh, Virginia says Heifer's always been fond of food, <laughs> which is true. Uh, then George screams, why can't I have any normal offspring? When Peter says, the fruit never falls far from the tree, Dad. Peter <laughs> asks Heifer about his antlers, and he takes them off. He says, oh, I just had those on so I can get in the Elks Club. Elkie is upset about dating a steer. Peter's confused that Heifer's dating the dinner. And in a big turn of events, George comes to Heifer's defense when Elkie says she can't be with a steer. So Heifer and Elkie both realize that they're planning uh, to eat Elkie, which Heifer never realized from the get. Heifer stands (laughs) up to his family, but Elkie still says that she won't date a domesticated farm animal. Uh, Heifer then gets uh, inducted into the pack anyways because he fed the family veggie elk substitutes. Uh, The end. I like this episode. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do, too. It's good. Um, have you ever been through a tunnel of love or something along those lines, like a love no. ride? No, I never have. Me neither. Uh, Is that real? I, I mean, I guess it was at one point in time, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it has to be. But, I mean, at 
at, I feel like this is a very, whenever I think of tunnel of love, I don't think of like, like a state fair, like our, our local state fair. I don't think of anything like it's gotta be more. I think like of like, I there. feel like it's there and it's a staple, like, like Coney Island Six flags. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that seems like that would definitely. Well, yeah. Cause you got to bring like water in, like you got to be able to move a boat through stuff. Like, so I would imagine it would have, you couldn't just pop it up in a day. Right. Uh, so that makes sense. Me neither. I've never been on one. I would like to with you, with me or the listener. Uh huh. The world may never know. <laughs> I, I was going with you, but but yeah, the listener too. I don't know. All right, episode eleven, segment two is scrubbing down under. At kind of a lot of comics, Rocco is working, uh, and a customer is reading an issue of Funny Time Funnies when he sneezes all over and asks for another copy since the one he has has snot all over it now. Rocco <laughs> happily swaps out the comic. Mr. Smitty calls Rocco to his office and hands him a pink slip. Rocco says, are you firing me again? But Mr. Smitty says, no. Rocco is being nominated for the Comic Book Society Service with a Smile Award. Uh, and uh, later in the week, Rocco is getting cleaned up uh, for the award. And uh, he's washing those digs right out of his hair. He says, I don't know what a dig is, but he's washing it out of mm-hmm. his hair. It reminds me, I don't know if it's in this episode or if it was another episode, whenever he has a comb. Remember, he's like combing his hair and it comes yeah. out in different styles, but it almost looks like he has yes. like hairball clumps that like boink, boink out of it. I'm wondering if yeah. those are the digs. Those are the digs. <laughs> that, that was the only thing I could think of whenever I saw that. Uh, he gets dressed in a tux and heads out when Heifer shows up, tells Heifer that he's on his way to an award banquet and Heifer says, I'm there. Rocco explains that it's a black tie event, so Heifer picks a salmon out of the big head salmon bush and sticks it in Rocco's exhaust pipe to make it black, and then sticks it on his chest. Ta-da, black tie. <laughs> there you go. That's a fact will, black tie. We're done. <laughs> I will tell you, so I, this may be because I, so I, I tried something new this You week, tried this? And I watched the... I, I watched the episodes. Yeah, I, I stuck a salmon on my chest, and I said, ta-da. <laughs> uh, no, I, I watched the episode without making notes at all, and then I rewatched it. Like, I kind of had it on the background, and then I was, like, intentionally watching it to make notes. But when I made the notes for this, I had it paused because I was typing, and I went ahead and on my own typed, ta-da, black tie, but then hit play, and then Heifer goes, ta-da, black tie. <laughs> and I was like, did I remember Subconsciously, that? Subconsciously, or you were just like it? doing, you're, you're just as good of a writer, is basically yeah, I, what you're or saying. Or I'm just <laughs> as dumb as Heifer is. Uh, <laughs> at the banquet, Rocco is nervous and asks Heifer if he looks and smells okay. Heifer says, what smells like fish? To which Rocco points out Heifer's tie. Heifer says that Rocco is beautiful then. Uh, Heifer says that if Rocco wins, just say thank you, mention my name, and then tell a joke. All right, so the nominees for the awards are Cosmo Walrus, Joan Crawfish, Veronica Bubberman, and Rocco, no last name given. Rocco wins. On his way up, he falls up the stairs and knocks over the lady with the award. She throws it at him. Rocco goes on to tell his speech nervously, when Heifer reminds him to tell the joke. <laughs> the joke is these two walnuts walk into a pub with a duck and one of the ducks is assaulted. He smiles afterwards 
and has a <laughs> giant chunk of spinach uh, in his teeth from the salad that he ate. The camera zooms in and everyone laughs at Rocco. He thinks that they're laughing at the joke. I don't get the joke. I wonder if he just forgot to tell the rest of it. I think it's like the walnuts. Uh, they're salted, salted nuts. nuts. I think that that was the joke. It's just really not a good joke in general. <laughs> gotcha. Understood. Uh, Heifer tells him about the spinach and Rocco is mortified and leaves the event with a pot over his head. Uh, he goes home and tries to brush and floss it out, but no luck. Rocco even made the news. Uh, next, he takes a jackhammer to his teeth and winds up at the hospital where Dr. Bendova gets an announcement over the intercom. We get a, another. That was, I think, the, the second Bendova we've gotten mm-hmm. only only in three seasons. There's only two Bendova. Happens. The other Bendova was in the DMV episode, wasn't it? Maybe, I yeah. I feel like... I don't feel like... Yeah. Uh, Rocco is in full bandages, presumably from the jackhammer going wrong with trying to get the spinach out of his teeth. Uh, when a spinach sprouts a giant stalk all the way up to the clouds, he is spit out to meet Clean Gene, the hygiene machine, and then Clean Gene uh, cotton swabs his ears, Rubber has rubber gloves on, uh, he, uh, he has a roll of toilet paper on his head, and very, very pointy nipples. I feel like the nipples are never not exaggerated in this show. <laughs> clean. They love exaggerated <laughs> nipples. Clean Gene says he might be able to help Rocco clean his teeth, but first he has to watch a little film about hygiene where they meet Jimmy, the poor j- hygiene hippo, and learn about washing those stinky places. Say hi to hygiene. Uh, he cleans Rocco's ears where there's buried treasure uh rings out his grease which is disgusting and then uh gets to the spinach tooth uh he takes a saw to Rocco's tooth and then Rocco wakes up to the doctor unwrapping the bandages from his head and his teeth are better then the doctor says the x-ray showed his mind is filthy and the doctor is clean gene he says they have to give Rocco a brainwash and Rocco runs out of there the end uh have you ever been nominated or won an award before? I feel uh, like you have. Like, what, why, what makes you think that? <laughs> you look like kind of one of those guys that's won an award before. No. No, like I mean, nothing with like gaming or anything? No. no. Why would I win an award for gaming? I don't know, because you, you were big and dead at competitive gaming for a while. No, not, not big enough to compete and win. <laughs> uh, and especially to win an award that necessitates giving a speech. Oh, no, um, you don't have to give a speech for this one. It could just be a piece of paper or a free drink. Oh, I mean, I've I've won awards for music <laughs> before, if that's the case. That's I've what I'm talking metal, about, man. medals and plaques and shit for music. Yeah, for the uh, band. Yeah, whenever I was in high school, I was IMEA All-State for Illinois. Solo uh, and ensemble or, or both? Both. Yep. Nice. Gold and both. And I placed in a lot of different events for music and back in the day whenever i was doing that stuff but yeah nothing that was that counts i i didn't give any i didn't give any award uh speeches or anything like that it'd be really weird if it was like me and a judge and the judge gave me like the the little gold That'd be medal. awesome You're like, i, I want to like, thank my mom i really want to thank my mom she's up there <laughs> listening uh and it's just me you or her in this room and i, I just want to thank you for for listening and thinking that i was great <laughs> Yes, I only remember one award that I've won, and it is the Little Mr. DuCoin. Oh, shit. Yeah, when I was a small child, 
I uh, won cutest kid in the whole entire town. Is this something that you could like research? Like if I went down the rabbit hole and I researched and I tried to find an old picture know. of little Mr. Ducoin winners in like an archive site. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I worked real hard for that. I didn't do anything at all. How old were you when you did that? I'm going to say, I don't know for certain, but I'm going to go with four. Four? Yeah. I think you're still just as cute. Thanks. I appreciate yeah, as that. A, as a four-year-old. As a four. All the other four-year-olds can suck it. <laughs> Episode 12, segment one, Zanzibar. This one clocks in at 420, 1996. They waited two months for this episode to come out. Wow. In the same season. Because that was February before. Yeah, you're right. They had a little break. Yeah, a little bit of a break. Uh, So we open with a musical number about spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. (laughs) Everyone in O-Town is singing and dancing when Rocco is woken up. Uh, He's confused about the singing and dancing and how they all know the words. But Heffer explains that they have been going to rehearsals on Thursday nights. He's like, didn't you see the flyer? (laughs) Uh, They go to take their stuff to the dump, uh, but the slug out front told them the dump is full. When I wrote that, I was thinking about, uh, sorry, folks, park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Ed Bighead wants to dump his trash in the park. He doesn't care. He's like, dump's full. Doesn't matter to me. And uh, but Rocco tells him he can't. Then Ed bursts into song about how he can dump his trash anywhere he wants. Rocco says that they should take care of the environment and Murky the bear and Captain Compost Heap show up to teach everybody the R-E-C-Y-C-L-E recycle song uh, about the ozone and floral carbons. Uh, Rocco and the O-Town citizens are inspired to clean up the town and build a recycling center. I will tell you that this is like I learned more about recycling from this episode when I was a child than most other anything, any other propaganda that was fed to us through school. I mean, nobody else is talking about floral carbons. Who else? I don't remember floral carbons coming up anywhere else, but here at Rocco. You're telling me Mr. Tolbert didn't teach you about floral carbons in eighth grade. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, But like, I mean conserving polluting you know all you know all of those things were this was the way to like this was shoving it in your face in the right way it was like or else you're gonna get what you deserve mm-hmm. like you're just gonna fry if you don't learn how to recycle mm-hmm. yo it went about it it goes about it in the best way possible for a show that's like for kids the age of like 7 to 14 this is like yes. the best way to consume that and I don't litter because of this show. That's, I don't think it's necessarily because of the show, but you know, it's part I'm, of it. I, I'm 100%. It's all because of the show. <laughs> I get right, ready to the, throw uh, ca- a Coke bottle out of my window. I'm like, hold on. Then I roll the, win- roll the window back up. Shows up on your mm-hmm. shoulder. <laughs> oh, speaking of Captain Compost Heap, he says, Conglomo is still causing too much pollution. And then everyone gets bummed out and sings. You can't fight City Hall. Uh, Rocco encourages them, <laughs> every one of them, to march to Conglomo and talk to them. The guard says they can't go in without an appointment, and everyone gives up, except for Rocco, who gets in and gets to talk to the board. Uh, he addresses the board and asks them to start recycling. Then all of the citizens burst in and sing the recycle song once again. Uh, the board agrees to change their ways and puts Ed Big Head in charge of it. 
after he cleans everything up and the whole town stops by to thank him, and he is not happy about it. Then Ed bursts into song again to tell them how he doesn't care. Then he gets fried by the sun, and Captain Compost Heap says, if you're not nice to Mother Nature, she'll kick our butts. Mm-hmm. The end. What's your favorite musical? Uh, not Susical. Uh, <laughs> my favorite musical? Is it Zanzibar from Rocco's Modern Life? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't really put it up there. Um <laughs> I've got a whole host of them. I think Frozen. my favorite. I think my favorite's Sweeney Todd. Mm. Um, I have now recently because I've not really paid too much attention to it whenever it released on Broadway. But I'm now currently obsessing over the uh, the Beetlejuice Broadway musical soundtrack right now. Oh yeah, um, and I really enjoy it quite a lot too. I've listened to that one before. Um, I wish that there was. I mean, I like the songs. They're not bad. I wish that I had something visually to like kind of at least watch one time to kind of go. Oh, yeah. That's, that's... what I did on, on YouTube. I went down the rabbit hole and picked out the handful of songs oh, that okay. I wanted to see. Yeah. And they had all those this, that were on there from the nice. from the original musical run. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Well, you know, my my favorite is Rent. I'm a, I'm a Rent head. Uh, and so is that what they call you guys? No, not at all whatsoever. Rent, I just rent made heads. <laughs> I'm a renter. <laughs> uh but yeah and outside of that though um, uh, most every disney movie if we're gonna count those as musicals like uh even like recently like encanto i really like got into encanto God, hard encanto is so good it rocks it really does yes what about goofy movie does that count because of eye to eye <laughs> i think so i'm gonna at, at least half musical okay if I'm gonna pick a favorite half musical, it's gotta go to the goofy movie. <laughs> it's half points. Uh episode twelve, segment two, Fatal Contraption. Ooh. This one Rocco is in he gets in his cabinet to get some spreadable pork fat. Oh, uh that made me want to bomb. But it is expired. Uh he then tries instant soup that explodes everywhere. Then he settles for a can of Jeff's peanut butter and makes a sandwich. As he eats it, he spots the Foodomatic 2000 and had dreams of cooking a giant dinner for his friends. He tosses the sandwich and goes to the Feh market, F-E-H. I don't know. I'm sure that's a play on something, but I didn't get it. I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, we see all the kitchen appliances are like animals. You got little snakes that are like razors, and I don't know. They were all, they were all animal-ish. And uh, all of the foodomatics are fighting with with each other like puppies, uh, except for one that sits in the corner, which Rocco picks and buys. He says, or he takes it home and has it create orange juice, but it spurts everywhere and makes a mess and kind of just lays on the table. Uh, I do have to tell you that I tried to see if I could figure out what that means. Yeah. Uh, no. The only thing that I can discern from fat is that it stands for Fire Emblem Heroes, which is the mobile Fire Emblem game. Yes. <laughs> That's the only fat that I can find. I wonder if it's just like fat market. Like, like it's, it's not like a big deal. It's like fat. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's a Rocco tries to take the Foodomatic back when he is sent to the basement of the Hef market. This is Hef now. Is it changed? Well, that's a typo. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just a typo. <laughs> that would have been awesome, though, if they changed it. Rocco tries to take the Foodomatic back when he is sent to the basement of the Fair Market, 
and all of the returns windows are closed until one holds up a sign that says all cells are final. So Rocco takes the Fudomatic back home, but puts it away. After many attempts of putting it in cabinets, the basement, the garage, uh, throwing it away, the Fudomatic sneaks in uh, back into the kitchen and kills all the other appliances. And the Fudomatic then sets out to kill Spunky. Uh, but then gets ran over in traffic instead. Uh, the Fudomatic tries to smash Spunky and then takes it uh, over and shaves Spunky's butt. Rocco flushes it down the toilet. He then receives a fishogram, <laughs> and the Fudomatic is inside of the fishogram. Uh, <laughs> real weird. <laughs> he, he also tries to throw it off a dam and shoot it out of a rocket, but those plans both backfire. If you uh, are playing at home and don't know what a fishogram is, which why would you? It's literally just a message inside of a dead mm-hmm. fish uh, that somebody delivers to your house. I would assume a, I would assume uh, a pelican with a patch. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rocco leaves it in the desert uh, where it kills a vulture. And uh, and then Rocco has uh, regrets about leaving the, the uh, food-o-matic in the desert and turns around. He runs over a small humanoid cactus that flattens Rocco's tire. And the Foodomatic is wandering around the desert when it discovers the water and cactuses and saves Rocco, who's also wandering the desert. The Foodomatic now runs a water store in the middle of the desert and is making all kinds of money and does not need Rocco anymore. The end. The it's, end. Uh, uh, this, is, uh, this ended up being a lot weirder of an episode than it had any right to be necessarily from the beginning. It just kind of started taking weird turns as the Foodomatic became its own kind of entity uh it was it was interesting have you ever been to the desert no me neither i hear they suck <laughs> i don't think i would go i don't i don't have a desire that's not a like a, a location where i'm like man i can't wait to like eventually go to a desert yeah um i don't know i i if i went to a desert i would want to make sure it was something that was either navigated for me or i had you know almost like a trail to follow i know you can't really in the desert because all the wind blowing the sand around there's not really any kind of a discernible trail to make but i would almost i want to make sure that i'm not going to get lost or off of some beaten path if it's just me and my significant other trying to you know navigate this thing by ourselves yes i think i've flown over a desert Uh, did you see it or did you just see clouds I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure I had to have hit, uh, like, gone over because I flew from Chicago to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I had to have seen it, or we should have been over at least one desert in the middle of all that. Uh, but I, I don't. Which know. one's in I America? Is that Mojave? Mm, I don't know. Can't remember which one is, is well. there in that area. Caramel. The caramel desert. Delicious. Yep. Delicious dessert. Uh, almost yeah. as delicious as the end of season thir- uh, season three with episode 13, segment one with friends mm-hmm. like these and another time gap. Uh, yeah. Big July one. 7th, Again. 96. So you got a new one in February, April, and then July. Yeah. Wow. And this is what ended out the season. <laughs> yes. It's so weird. Uh, Uncle Wee Wee is DJing on 92.2 KWOO. 
which means O Town is west of the Mississippi, guys. <laughs> that's just a that's just a, a fun fact. Is that if you want to know general location of O Town, it's 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 a a K uh, in front of the radio station, so it has to be west of the Mississippi. That's a that is a fun fact. Uh, what is it if it's the other direction? W. Mm, why is that K and W? I don't know. That's just the the call signs on on radio stations. I didn't know if there was a specific reason why. Or oh, I'm sure there is. K and I why just, it's W. I just don't personally know what it is, but I'm sure that there is a reason. You would think that the W would be for West, and then there would be the K, e K would be K. K. Yeah, or the K would be the East. You'd be like, it's the other one, but no. <laughs> He's giving away tickets to the WWWWWF wrestling event. And Heifer and Filbert are in a room full of phones at Filbert's house. To, uh, they're taking caller 92. They dial all of the phones until Heifer gets wondering, but Heifer is wrapped up in the phones whenever it gets picked up. They were they were caller number 92, uh, but since Uncle Wee Wee couldn't hear them, he had to move on to the next caller. Uh, so the next caller was Rocco, who was just trying to find, trying to order food and dialed the wrong number. Wee Wee tells him that he won, and Rocco is announced as the winner. I feel like this is like one of the very few instances that Rocco is actually lucky. Whether it be unintentional <laughs> right. or not, there's just not a lot of good things that happens for him. This is just an unintentional yes, luck thing. Absolutely. Uh, so Heifer and Philbert say it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, and Heifer says he's got to go. Uh, he has a lot of stuff to do, like a range of socks, according to color. Uh, when he leaves, he speeds over to Rocco's, but Filbert is already there having tea with Rocco and buttering him up. Filbert asks Rocco who he's going to bring, and Rocco says one of his friends. The next, I wish it was like some random person. <laughs> it was like Melba. He's like, I'm going to bring Melba. Uh, uh, the next day, Heifer and Filbert are at Rocco's house doing him favors and cooking him breakfast. After being after getting coffee spilled on him, Rocco tells them to stop trying to butter him up. And he has, and he hasn't decided on who he's taking. They do his yard work, follow him into the grocery store, and just will not leave him alone. Rocco gets fed up and tells him that he's going to go to the match alone. The next morning, Rocco wakes up to Heifer having him handcuffed himself <laughs> to Rocco. Then, as Rocco's kicking Heifer out, Filbert handcuffs himself to the other hand because Rocco's like get out and points his <laughs> finger out of the door and then another handcuffs like gotcha uh heifer and filbert argue about the friendship and who's the biggest fan while they drag rocco through all kinds of horrible things while arguing they end up at the arena where they are prompted for the tickets rocco is so mad and he goes nuts he rips the tickets up and then just passes out <laughs> then no one gets to go Back at Rocco's house, they are trying to get out of the handcuffs when there's an announcement on the radio that the first friends who show up handcuffed at the radio station get tickets to the monster trucks. They all run over. Uh, they all run over there arguing about how it's uh, how they're bigger fans of monster trucks, and they're just like, "I'm gonna, I, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go," and uh, they're back to their old nonsense again. The end. Mm. Who is? Uh, the more best friend to Rocco. Is it Heifer or is it Filbert? What do you think? Uh, we've had relationship with Heifer longer. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that necessarily means they're best, the best friends. Uh, I feel like, you know, his relationship with Filbert is a little bit more stable as far as from a financial standpoint goes and also just doing less dickish things. 
yeah um i feel like this episode yeah i feel like this episode is probably the like one of the first examples of philbert having a little bit of a slightly unhealthy relationship to rocco yeah doing unintentional bad things to him like in that same vein um i feel like i would still say heifer they just are so so close regardless that they just are inseparable especially when they're handcuffed to one another (laughs) i would agree i i think heifer as well when you think of Rocco, you think of Heifer. They're like Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Only without the sexual tension. Well, maybe. Uh, they're more like Laverne three. and Shirley, I guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, episode 13, segment two, Sailing the Seven Z. Richie and Fonz? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'll go with that one. I don't think they had any sexual tension. No. Maybe now, yeah. now that we know that Henry Winkler's out of the bag. That's right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know what I don't know what uh, Richie uh, is up to these days. Yeah, I don't either. He might be into that. <laughs> I don't. I don't talk to Ron that much these days. Uh, at the musical stage show, a pirate is singing and dancing when Ed Bighead in the audience starts to well up. He has flashbacks of him as a child on a stage, freezing up. Then he bursts out yelling mommy in the theater, present day. Later that night, he tells Bev that he was traumatized as a child and it still haunts him. After he goes to sleep, he starts sleepwalking as a pirate. Rocco is woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning by Ed yelling pirate nonsense and wandering around on his roof. The next morning, Rocco is very sleep-deprived and says, Ahoy there, matey, to Ed. Ed calls him a weirdo. The next night... The same thing happens. Ez says something about poop the deck and waffle me winky. (laughs) Rocco confronts him, but from Ed's point of view, Rocco is talking to him out of the window of a ship, not his house. Ed says Rocco stole his map and vouches to get it back. Ed jumps off the roof and swims, quote unquote, through the dirt over to Rocco's house. Then he bursts into Rocco's bedroom and calls Rocco Captain Fuzzy. Next, uh, since Rocco won't give Ed the maps he's looking for, Ed takes Rocco to the top of Rocco's roof to walk the plank. Then Ed goes back into sleep, and Rocco falls off the roof. The next night, Rocco boards up the door to keep Ed out, but Heifer and Filbert bust it down and have a movie night. Rocco explains to them that Ed thinks he's a pirate and Rocco needs more sleep, so no movie night. That does not seem like the thing you want to tell Heifer and Filbert because they're just going to want to see what happens. Like that's You don't just go like, hey, you need to leave because Ed's going to turn into a pirate. They're going to be like, no, we need to watch that happen. Yeah. Rocco creates a treasure map so that he can give it to Ed when he comes over. Uh, when, uh, when then uh, he comes over, uh, he takes the map away from Rocco. And just as Ed is about to leave with the map, he is greeted at the door by Filbert and Heifer dressed as pirates. They then take the map from Ed and add on, add him on. Uh, he, then Ed <laughs> kidnaps Spunky and fires bowling balls out of his dryer as cannons, uh, as one does. <laughs> Rocco throws Ed the map in exchange for Spunky. Then Ed throws Spunky out of the window, and Rocco saves him by swinging on a rope. Uh, Ed wakes up from the sleepwalking uh, because of the squeak of the toy in his yard. Then Heifer and Filbert continue to play like they are in a submarine to get go get Spunky a, a new squeaker toy. We see that Ed is in bed and he and with his squeak toy, 
and Filbert is getting nauseous that they're in a submarine, even though it's not real. The yep. end. The end. It ends kind of weird. Um, have you ever sleepwalked? Sleep is that the sleepwalked? Is that the right term? Uh, I don't know. I I would think it's sleep walk instead of sleep woke. So you sleep woke? Did <laughs> you sleep woken? Uh, no, I've never sleepwalked. Have you ever witnessed somebody sleepwalking? No. It's weird. It's cool. I mean, well, I'll take that back. I I I did one time at a at a sleepover at a friend of mine's house. Another friend was there with us. Uh, there was a group of us that was all together, and uh, he managed to get from the basement to the upstairs to go pee. And he was like, us. We we when we found him, he was upstairs, like halfway peeing and like halfway like still slumped over, <laughs> and was just standing there. So kind of had to like lead him back down. <laughs> At least he was he peeing in the toilet. Yeah, well, like made it made it all successful, like all the way up there and everything. It was just a matter of actually waking him up and right. taking him back down. I don't, but yeah, think that I've ever sleepwalked. But I uh, I do enjoy talking with someone who's sleep talking. Uh, cause they say some weird things mm-hmm. and I just kind of play with like play along and, mm-hmm. uh, see where we can take this story. It's, it's, I know I've sleep talked before occasionally, and I know Mandy has for sure way more than me probably. Yeah. So I've, I've definitely talked to her while she's done that. It's definitely fun. Yes. Yeah. I'll say sleepwalking day is a very dangerous day. I wish we had that the video of you doing the hands would be doing the fingers. Yes, it's perfect. It only has three fingers, so it's just like this. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an IFNZ production.